Welcome back to the Pick Up Music Pod with Sam and Carl. Today you'll learn about the five levels of soloing on guitar. And hey, really quickly, you're going to hear that my voice is going to sound a bit like a robot today. Apologies, we had a bit of a mic issue. So we have AI stepping in to save the game, to save the audio. Let's get into the podcast. So the first level, uh, which all guitarists um, get to, is copying solos and licks. So learning your favorite solo by ear, maybe with some tab to help you, and just playing along with records. It's how we all started, and it's how many of us still learn. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm actually wearing my, for those anyone that might be watching, I'm wearing my West Montgomery t-shirt that I've had since I was probably 17 years old. Found it in the garage this weekend. He, I've transcribed many, many of his licks, and um, you know that that that's a great place to start. Every time I sit down and go through the painful experience, and it's something we've touched on already on in this pod, and and learn a lick, whether it's just a couple of notes from Wes. I did a lot of Grant Green. Um, yeah. I find that there's instant fuel to my creative fire. It's such a great way to. Um, get new vocabulary, um, which is, you know, we'll get to it in a bit, but improvisation, just like speaking, is about having a tool set of phrases, licks, sounds, and the best way to learn is, is to listen. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's an, maybe this is a good time too to bring up some terminology. Some people talk about soloing, some type of people talk about improvisation, and I think, um, you know, improvisation is a type of soloing, right? Because with soloing, you know, you could be learning someone else's lick, you could be composing your own solo, or you could be improvising. But if you're improvising, um, you know, you you are using a whole different set of skills, really. Um, because, and, and that's why we're starting really with like copying solos and licks, I think, is because in order to improvise, you sort of have to have that language. You have to absorb it. You have to listen. And so copying is the best way to do that. That's a great point to differentiate between the two because improvisation is something that can feel a little intimidating for guitarists. Like, I'm supposed to just make up stuff on the spot? Like, that's out of nothing? And it's not. it might not be appealing to everyone. They're, they're like, well, I just want to learn what that famous guitar player did. And, and that's... That's fine too. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. But it, improvisation really is kind of like its own art. It really is. And we work with a lot of guitarists, like particularly in the prog and metal scene, who don't do a lot of improvisation. They could if they wanted to, but they're all about the solos. Like someone like Pliny, beautiful solos. Although he's, I, I went and saw him with Adam Neely in LA, and he's bringing more and more jazz, both improvisation but also sounds in his playing. So. Maybe someone like Manuel Gardner Fernandez. I also saw him, um, and I think it was all you know, lots of solos, but not improvisation, but amazing. And you know, fans love it. So you don't necessarily yeah. have to be a great improviser to be a great soloist. Yeah, and it's an equally creative uh, pursuit, I would say. You know, to be a great craftsman of solo and uh, of solos, and and to craft you know the perfect solo. People will often say like to compose a solo is like improvising but like really slowly ahead of time. So yeah, still... there's a quote in there somewhere, right? There's a famous <laughs> yeah. quote. Yeah, I forget who said that. Oh, man, oh but... I think it's this, improvisation is real-time composing. Maybe that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, composing in real-time, yeah. All right, well, let's get to the second level. So if level one is, you know, learning from the greats and playing exactly what they played, level two is where most guitarists go next. And this is noodling in the box. And we're not talking about take home food from your local restaurant. We're talking about guitar noodles in the minor pentatonic box. 
Delicious as always. Yeah, I, it is a great place to start because with the pentatonic scale, major or minor, there's not really a wrong note. It just allows you to be free. You can focus on things like, you know, feel and uh, bending and tone, and you don't have to really worry about the theory side of it yet. It's such a good point because there's so much more to guitar than like scales and notes. So like, just as an example, here's some, some ideas all within the minor pentatonic box. Little double stops thing. I put a blues note in there, yeah. but it's still, mm -hmm. I'm still thinking pentatonic, right? right? And one more. Bends, yeah. Um, and then how about major, Carl? Why don't you be the major to my minor pentatonic? Oh, okay. Well, I just did the Hendrix masterclass stuff. So, I mean, you know, the one that comes to mind is this sort of thing. You know, all of that kind of stuff. But yeah. <laughs> the minor pentatonic is great. You can live inside this box and just be eating your noodles for years and years. If you feel like you're stuck in the box and you're noodling, there's two common ways that intermediate guitarists exit the box. The first is just going up there to the BB box and you can just Google this. We have some lessons on it. So that's right here. So it's just adding on a little bit to the box. And then the second approach is the cage system. And in fact, the minor pentatonic box is one of the cage shapes. It is the G shape, that, that classic A minor shape. So you already know one of five. So you got a foot in the door for the cage system. And of course, we have a great program with Monty Miller, if you want to learn that. Great. So moving on, level three, the blanket approach. Now, we all grew up with a little binky, right? It kept us warm. <laughs> it was it was, it was our, our uh, go-to. We felt safe. Um, and, and this is kind of the same thing musically here. We can apply the pentatonic stuff. We can apply the major scale. But the point is that that's all we're doing. That's why we're calling it the blanket approach. So if we, it, and it works best over a diatonic chord progression. Um, so if I play something like a one, six, two, five in C, something like. Now I got a loop going, so I'm just gonna play C major scale over say the whole thing. Sounds great to me. So what were you thinking like then? I said to myself, okay, Carl, only play the C major scale. And then once my fingers start moving, I'm relying on instincts and my ear to try to play something that sounds good, which is kind of, you know, that's not going to happen just like that. You know, I've been playing for a while uh, and I've been working on improvisation for a while. So, you know, a lot of the stuff I immediately started playing probably sounded like licks, but it wasn't necessarily intended or wasn't premeditated. So the blanketed approach is very valid, but once you start playing over songs which aren't in a major or minor key, and you might be wondering what, what type of songs are these? Well, the best example is blues music, which is often in a the key of a dominant chord. Mm, yep. Let's see if we can cook something up here. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I could play pentatonic, but mixolydian. Arpeggios. approach, which is <laughs> probably why we're calling it Blanket 2.0. It just, it's like anything that's outside of that just pentatonic or major scale sort of vibe, right? You're certainly great there. And it for me, it's like jam band music, Grateful Dead and, and all of these types of bands jamming out on like really fun modal um, tonal centers. And there's so much material there. Once you start getting into modes, there's seven of them. We already know the major scale at this point. Mixolydian would be the next one. And then after that, maybe it would be a Dorian a mode. And then arpeggios being ways to navigate those modes. So scales can set you back because it's, you know, sounds a bit like homework, a scale, <laughs> if you just play a scale. Yeah. Whereas an arpeggio sounds like instant music. And I'll just shout out the caged arpeggios masterclass, which just dropped on pickup music if you want to learn those. Yeah. Get your arpeggios in check, people. Okay, we've talked about four different levels here. What is the final boss, Sam? Final boss is uh, level five, uh, which is playing the changes. And I guess this comes about if there's a chord uh, or a series of chords uh, which are outside the key. So if I rewind it back to um, give E major, often you'll have this chord right here. Oh yeah. Which is that good old three dominant seven. And if you're a blanketing guitar player, then you would just drive right through the stop sign and just ignore that chord. But sometimes it's nice to pull over the car and appreciate the view, appreciate the sunset. And in order to do that, you need to be aware of the chords in the song and to play the changes of each of those chords. So Carl, how do we do it? How do we play the changes? And should hmm. we play the changes? Let me get a little groove going here. So we've got the one, that three dominant seven, the four, trying to think of anything too much but just use my ear but again that's coming from you know years and years of practice if we, we we can apply everything that we've done up to this point scales i was talking about i was thinking chord tones i was thinking guide tones i was thinking arpeggios and then at the end of the day following my ear so once you go through all those you're kind of free to let it happen you know um, sam what's your approach for you know playing the changes I guess the, the ultimate approach is to have that same sense of freedom that you have jamming out within the box or blanketing the changes over a chord progression. So often when you start soloing over chords, 
Like in that example, you had a three dominant seven and a four minor. You kind of have to think while you play, which is kind of the opposite idea with music. It's not about thinking, it's about expressing yourself. But how do you stop thinking and start making music over more complex chord progressions? Well, the, the band uses it's called practice, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. But through practice, whether that's learning licks or scales and patterns and vocabulary, getting back to what we talked about at the start, we have this repertoire of, of words or phrases. Our ear is used to it. Our fingers are used to it. We can see it. All of that comes together and... And hopefully we can effortlessly solo through a, a more complex chord progression. Mm, yeah, really good points. Really good points. I think that's a good approach too. Is you know start with just build yourself up and and put limitations like starting with a scale that you're familiar with and then put that limitation on your improvising as you're playing the changes. Yeah, and just to make it actionable for you if you're listening and and you're new to playing changes, the the go to chords which I recommend you go deep on um because you can you know like when you're studying you just study like the most common answers or questions that are going to come up in the exam so if music is an exam the chords you're going to hit are the three dominant seven the four minor maybe a one dominant seven yeah i mean this is you know when we did the the soloing learning pathway we we really dug in and thought about all this like what are the most common chord progressions that people solo over that people want to solo over um, so, you know, check check out the soloing learning pathway if any of this is uh, whetting your appetite. Yeah, we did all the hard thinking for you. I don't know. I'm trying to like <laughs> improvise it now. We, we, <laughs> we spent six months uh, planning it out for you in the soloing program. Well, I guess now we have some bonus level. This is level six. I just want to touch on this for the more advanced students. And if you're not advanced, you can see, you know, what else there is out there in the world. So the first one. Uh, I'll hit and then I'll pass it to you, Carl. So the first one is superimposing sounds over chord. Take a chord progression, often a simple chord progression. So let's just say we have A minor. Me, as an improvising guitarist, I'll imagine these chords going on over this chord, this A minor chord, and I'll outline the sounds of those chords to add interest to what I'm doing. And the most obvious example here would be hitting the four minor chord. So as you can keep that in mind, uh, then I'll, you could do something like this. So just Ooh. adding in a five chord yet. The five chord doesn't exist, Carl, but <laughs> I am the improviser and I decided it exists and it exists because I played the changes of this imaginary chord and there's mm. a lot of ways you can do that you can add on a five dominant you can add in parallel chords you can just play other chords within the key arpeggios within the key so i could hit a c major arpeggio i could hit an f major arpeggio So I'm taking you on a journey which you didn't know you were going on. So that's called <laughs> superimposing sounds over other sounds. So adding sounds on top of sounds. And then, I mean, this kind of falls within a little sub-genre of that, but playing outside of the chords. And that's like the things that you were just demonstrating are, are sort of tonicizing the chord in a, in a way that would naturally happen in the chord progression. But there is also just like playing out. Like, for example, the most obvious one is like playing up a half step. Boom. You know, or, um, you know, like a little two five lick that that's played up a half step or, um, one of my little favorite moves is like, say you're, um, 
say you're on a major chord, like say it's a major, uh, you know, something like. So this little one. That's beautiful. <laughs> what is that? It's just the, it's a major triad. But I'm I'm like playing part of the arpeggio um, a half step up. So so I'm playing that up a half step. But <laughs> so that's just a you know just a little example of of playing outside. That's truly outside. Yeah, I think this this bonus level it's. It's, you know, the bigger picture here is being artistic and intentional with your improvisation. That's the goal for all of us, you know, to be able to like step up in any sort of musical situation. Can you create something? It, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a killer solo, but maybe you're just improvising some chords or improvising a vibe. And to be able to do that, like with command and really pull it off is is a is a craft and it, and it's a skill you know and, and don't feel bad if this doesn't happen overnight the the great jazz artists that that we know and love the great improvisers i shouldn't say just jazz but improvisers you know they spent their entire lives dedicating themselves to this craft so it's a very high level thing to do it's a very noble thing to do um not to say that you know us mere mortals can't have a lot of fun getting trying to get there you know what i mean <laughs> and i'll just add that there's always going to be more to learn like when it comes to guitar particularly improvisations i would just say just be happy with the vocabulary you have the skills you have the chord changes you feel comfortable on because you're your best soloing self when you're playing within your comfort zone and part of our, our journey as guitarists is slowly adding new things to our repertoire finding chords which in, or new sounds and getting comfortable with those sounds. We do that in the practice room. So when we go ahead and try and make music, whether it's recording or on the stage, we've expanded what's comfortable for us so we can um, be in that happy, comfortable zone and really make music. Yeah, really nicely put. So if you want to learn soloing, we have to shout out our Soloing Learning Pathway program. Uh, it'll take you, you know, a good three to four months, depending on how much you practice, even just practicing once a week. Is totally fine. There's a lot to learn there. And the only thing you need to get started with that is the minor pentatonic scale. If you got that, then you're good to start with the soloing program. It's a really fun one. There's Ariana Powell's solos in there. And also at the end, we have that guest solo from Rafa Rodriguez as well. And uh, I guess recent users, uh, we just released the Caged Arpeggios class. So if you already know Caged, that's a great one to check out to expand those triads into four note chords. So instead mm -hmm. of this, it's this. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. Um, just a quick reminder, don't forget to rate us on podcasts, any platform that you listen to us. Uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify. And of course, if you dig what you're listening to, please share it with a friend. And this is our 10th episode, so a bit of a milestone. So thanks again for tuning in. And if you could share it with a friend and rate us, um, we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>